You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Amen. Thank you, band, and uh, thank you, everybody, that's um, already led us in a great worship this morning. Super excited about Singleton and Kim. Um, that was really special. Uh, just really great getting to know you guys again. Thinking about your lives and thinking about what God has in store for you, frankly, is really inspiring. And that's why we come this morning. We come to worship. We come to worship a God that changes lives. We believe in a big God that no matter what and no matter what we're facing can still change our lives. Amen. So I'm going to talk this morning about um, a couple of these ideas. But before I do, I want to make note of special guests. We have um, from the Hong Kong Church, Dan and Alexis Liu. Dan, where are you? Where did you? There you are. Very good. Very good. And we have some family. I think we have some family here. Oh, that's just really great. Thank you for coming and visiting. Um, of course, you used to be the Hope Director of uh, the Cam- Cambodian work. And uh, just very excited about having you come and visit us. Um, he's very huggable. So let's get lots of hugs in um, today. Excellent. Great to see you guys. Really great to see you guys. And, um, of course, special family to us is the Shump family. And Alexis is in town, I believe. Very nice having you, Alexis, all the way back from uh, the East Coast. And uh, really nice uh, seeing you. And, um, of course, worshiping with your family is always a blessing. And we have Angela Williams. I think Angela's in the house. Where'd Angela go? We all know Angela. Wonderful. It's great having you, Angela. Yes, yes. Love you. Thank you for being with us today. Really good. You know how um, families have secrets? And in America, we tend to um, be a little blind and deaf to a lot of our family history. You know, the Jews in the Bible, here we are years later, thousands of years later, trying to read the Bible, and we get a little lost in all the genealogies. You know, this is Joe, son of Fred, son of Frank, son of Peter, son of... And, and you get this... But you had these great stories. You knew where you were from. And a lot of Americans, they barely know where's grandpa and grandma from and where are we and what's the family story. And so family tree becomes a large mystery, right? Family tree becomes a large mystery. And a lot of myths and stories build up around some of this mystery. So my girls, they're great. They wanted to get the DNA testing last year for Christmas, right? They want to do the DNA testing. I'm like, okay. Why is that cool? You know, I told you the story and mom's got the story and no, we want to know. Okay, great. So they get the DNA testing back and this is sort of exciting. Okay, dad, got the DNA testing back. Okay, 20% Western Europe. Like, okay, that's grandpa. He's German. I told you that. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. And dad, 20%-ish Iberian Peninsula. I go, "Uh uh-huh. That's Mima. That's Grandma. That's Mima, right? We told you that. Uh huh. Okay. And Dad, twenty percent Native American. I'm going, yeah. It's Grandma, right? We know the story. It's Grandma. And then they go, and Dad, we're like two percent Nigerian. So Deshake and I actually are cousins. We actually are cousins. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. And it's that moment, though, it's that moment I stop, I stop and I look at Tanya, I'm like, what? Who's Nigerian? What, what else don't I know? 
Oh yeah, Dad, we're like one percent East Asian. We're like Chinese. I'm like, where are all these? Yeah, where are all these stories? Who? Why not? What else don't I know? You know, Mom, Dad, I got to get on the phone and find out what is going on with the family tree. And um, I'm really confused. You get some secrets. Get some secrets. These are secrets people don't like telling. That's why they're secrets. But anyway. So where's that lead me? Oh, let me turn my clicker on. Okay, we're gonna have we're gonna have a good time today. Um, yeah, I gotta turn it on. Okay. Title today's title. Dun, 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 dun. Today has a title. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. The title today is. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Should I do the other one? Dun, 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 dun. Usually works. Uh, let's try it again. Go this way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just here's where you hit all the buttons. You hit all the buttons at the same time. Now, if I were my dad, I would kick this thing as far as I could, because he was a big believer in kicking anything that didn't work. I like that. I still do that a little bit. You pick things up, right? Something's not working. Give it a good kick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want, it, want me to just motion to you? Yeah. The clicker's working, but the thing's not on the screen. Look at that. Okay. Okay. Right, 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 right. Okay, you guys goof, you guys goof around with that for a little bit. You guys goof around for, with that for a little bit. Look in your Bibles. Right, right. Amen. Got the Bible. I got a couple notes. Look in your Bibles to, um, Mark chapter three. You know, when we moved up here two months ago, I started reading Mark again and just really have fallen in love with it. I'm going to read two passages. I'll probably peek over at Luke's version of this. In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, very famously, we're familiar with this passage, but I love reading this. Then Jesus entered a house. And again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him and they said, he's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem and said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. So... Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself? That kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. Verse 27. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. Oh, this is great. Now, just pause for a second. What are we talking about? So Jesus does this miracle. The self-righteous come and they say, he's not really from God. He's possessed by a demon. That's why he can cast out demons and do these miracles. It's not good energy. It's bad. It's not it's not about angels and God. It's about demons. And Jesus goes, you guys are crazy. That's house divided. And of course, Lincoln made this famous house divided, cannot stand. And Jesus goes further, though, and he goes, listen, 
unless you bind up the strong man, you can't rob his house. Right? So who's the, who's the strong man? The strong man is the devil. The strong man is the devil. And Jesus is saying, you gotta bind up the strong man. And if you bind up the strong man, you can rob his house. Okay, now just think about that for a moment. Somewhere in Hades is the devil. And he's got this giant treasure house. And there's a lot of yours and mine stuff in there. And he's robbed us. He robs us of faith. He robs us of purity. He robs us of unity. He robs us of joy. He robs us of all these things. He robs us of the good we know we ought to do. He robs us of these things and he puts them in a place where we don't have access to them anymore. And the Christian, you know, good-heartedly comes along and gets baptized. This is exciting. And lots of times, then we get onto that growth thing. Okay, now I'm a Christian. Now i got to grow. Now i got to mature. Now i got to become more self-control, more loving, more respect, more faithful. And we um, struggle. We stumble. This is hard. And everybody experiences some of this. I'm trying to be a Christian, but I'm not good at it. I'm not doing good at it. It's really difficult. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you know, one of the problems is the strong man, he owns your stuff. Now, just for perspective's sake, let's look over at Luke 11. I want to look at Luke's version. Luke says it just a little bit different, and I like it. Adds a little more emphasis. Verse 21 says, When a strong man, ooh, this is good, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. Man, this is cool. You know what Jesus is saying? Time for you, Christian, to go back and rob the devil. It's time for you to go back and rob the devil. The Christian, I want to empower you to go back and rob the devil. I want you to go back and take back the thing that he took from you. We don't want the Christian to be sulky. And we don't want the Christian to be grouchy. And we don't want the Christian to be um, uh, sort of resigned. You know, I don't know. I'm just going to sort of hang on till the end. No, no, we fight back, church. You know, a few weeks ago, I shared the story about the brother. Brother, how you doing? He's like, tough week. Car's on block. Stole all my tires. Someone stole all my wheels. And I saw that brother again this morning. He sort of jokingly, bro, how's it going? All the wheels on the car? He's like, oh, yeah. I got one of those wheel guards now. (laughs) Have you seen those? They look like the big boot, right, that the police put on if you got too many Tickets, you're not driving anywhere, right? A wheel guard. That's great. What is that? Hey, that's fighting back. That's good spirit right there, church. That's good spirit. I could sulk and go, well, my car's on a block, so I guess I'm just going to stay home all day. No, I'm going to go get some new tires, and then I'm going to guard them. Now, guys, we've got a lot of issues, right? Now, in our church, we're interesting as a church. We have a lot of sins that um, are really bad. 
And, and nobody did this on purpose. It's just culture. It just sort of happened. If you have trouble with your purity, you're probably going to get in a D group. And if you have, if you don't date correctly or you have a dating sin, you're probably going to get in a D group. And if you're disrespectful towards leaders and not unified with people, you're probably getting a D group. It's just kind of, I don't know. Those are like hot buttons for us. I don't know what else is. We got a few others. Um, and then there's other things that we really, that we don't really react to the same way. I remember, um, we used to have brothers basketball league. Did anybody play in brothers basketball league? Yeah, a few of us played in Brothers Basketball League. And it was really hard to get through Brothers Basketball game without almost full-blown fisticuffs. All the time. And we'd sort of pick each other up. Brother, that was awesome. I saw what you... I, you slammed that guy. That guy from the South, you really gave him the business. That was great. And if we saw a guy apologizing, hey, sorry. No, 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 no apologizing. We're here to win. We're taking these guys down. We had a big conference, big seminar, and all the ministry people are playing. And I got a fight with one of the old um, world sector leader guys. And, um, you know, afterwards, Marty asked me about the game. How's the game? I was like, game? Yeah. It was great. Really, I heard there was like a problem. Was there some conflict with the other world sector leader? Oh, you know, it's just us. It's just guys. It's just brothers. Oh, right. Just brothers. And we make stuff like that okay. And we make stuff like that okay. And I mean, there's, and I don't know, I'm tra- trying to be funny. I mean, we might have a guy rob a bank. How's it going, bro? Nah, I don't know. I robbed a bank yet. You robbed a bank? Wow. I haven't heard that one before. Tell, let's talk about it. But, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really hit the same button as some of our other sins in the church hit sort of these cultural buttons. And that is a thing that we've got to really deal with because this is, the strong man is always trying to rob our house. And we make certain sins okay. Watch out. The strong man's going to try and enter your house. And we got to be careful. Uh, it happens in churches. It's been, ha- it's happened in our church. It's been happening in church since the first day of church. Have you noticed almost in every book in the New Testament, there's something in there about unity. Because Paul was kind of a hippie? No, because the Jews and the Greeks really didn't like each other. And yet he keeps telling them, we're going to baptize the Jew, and we're going to baptize the Greek, and we're going to have communion together, and we're not going to worry about eating bacon in front of the Jewish guy. But if you can avoid it, maybe that's a good idea. We'll figure it out. And you get a lot of that stuff. In the church, what are we? Hey, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. All one in Christ. Amen? And that's where we want to be going more and more. And instead of sort of a defensive, is my church better than that church? Is our group better than their group? No, more of an offensive, open, reaching out to people. This is how we get unified with folks. Amen. Look at that. There's my passage. Thank you very much. That looks good. Okay, where am I? Back on. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good. But what happens? Look at this. John 10. John 10, 10. I'll read it right there off the screen. The thief comes only to steal and kill And destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so what does he know? The devil 
The devil's like a thief. To go back a little bit earlier to the big frame, remember Job 1? Remember what's going on in Job 1? In Job 1, there's God and he's in his throne room and there's angels and this incredible um, scene. And the devil just walks in. And God says, Satan, what are you doing here? Where, where are you come from? Where do you come from? He goes, I just come from walking the earth. I just come from walking the earth. Gets translated a bunch of different ways. But basically, I just, I'm here from, I'm taking a break from walking the earth. And you know what I noticed? I noticed you got a guy down there, Job, and I'm after him. He's only happy because you protect him. You put that little hedge around him. It's really funny. We pray this a lot as Christians. God, please build a hedge around Fred and protect him. And I think Satan sees that. Because this is exactly what he goes and he says to God. He says, God, you protect Job. You've got a little hedge around him. And I think if you didn't protect him, he would struggle and he would deny his faith. I mean, he really wants to uh, steal, kill, and or destroy. That's all he really wants to do. God is an artist. God is creative. God is all-powerful. God is a builder. He's always trying to make something. He's always trying to build something. I love that passage in Isaiah. He makes everything beautiful in its time. Is that a great path? Is that a great? That's a great God. He makes everything beautiful in its time. And then what's the devil doing underneath it? It's like that counterpoint. Every point, Satan's counterpoint is, I want to steal that. I want to kill that. I want to destroy that. I want to ruin that. I want to mess that up. I want to make the beautiful thing ugly. I want to, I'm going to just, I'm going to turn the whole thing upside down, mostly just to mess up you and I. And we've got to understand that's the landscape. That's what's going on out there in our lives, in our world. Uh, next uh, passage here, next uh, frame. So I want to play this little thing. It's goofy, right? But um, we've got teens and campus people. Uh, they'll sort of like this. So what is this under called? This is, this is a YouTube moment called something like um, Watch Bike Thief Get Owned. Okay, go ahead and play, bro. So just a guy walking down the street. What do you think? Nothing. Why? Because I don't want to be judgmental. It's just a guy walking down the street. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's my garage. What does he want to do? He wants to steal my bike. He's going to steal my bike? No way. That guy's stealing my bike. Yes! <laughs> next, next slide. Next slide. Kind of made the point. Kind of made the point. The devil's walking in here all of the time. The devil's walking into our homes all of the time. The devil's walking into our office places all of the time. The devil's walking in our parking lot, in our freeways all of the time. And he's walking out with stuff. And we're just sort of standing there watching it. A lot of us are just standing there watching it. you got to love the energy. No way. We're going to go tackle that guy. He's taking my bike. I'd love that. Sorry. I, sound a little, I hope this doesn't sound braggy. It's that middle school time. I'm a jack-in-the-box with a couple friends, and we've got bikes. And... Um, I was best friends with these twins, Ian, and the other guy named was Todd. And we never called him Todd. We called him Lur. Short for Todd Lur. Make sense, right? So he uses Lur. And they never called me Todd. I was always last name. I was always Spath. So I was Spath, Ian, and Lur, right? And there we are. We're Jack in the Box, and we're just sitting there. I go, Lur. That guy look, is looking at your butt. Lur. That guy's get, hey, Lur, that guy's stealing your bike. 
And Lurus sort of just sitting there watching it. So I, grab, I run out. Hey, you can't take that back bike. That's Lurus' bike. You know, a little tackle. Sorry. You know, you walk back into Jack in the Box. Lurus like, thanks, Bath. That was great. I'm like, okay. Well, what? You want my French fries? Yes, I want your French fries. And maybe a shake to go with it all. I mean, give me a break, Lur. But we have those moments you just react. No, you can't just walk in here and take my stuff. You can't just take my bike. You can't just take my car. You can't just take my computer. You know, everybody's got bags and purses. Can you imagine, women, someone just walks in and grabs your purse? Someone just grabs your purse? And there's a bunch of brothers there and they just watch the guy walk away with it? Wow, sorry, sis. Tough being you today. I'm going to put it on the prayer list. And I'll call Ken, maybe Mark Shump, and maybe they can do something about it later, like you'll get a magic prayer. (laughs) No! You stop that guy right there, isn't that right? Uh, Go ahead, what do I have here? We bind him up, we got to bind him up. What if we could see all the hurt and all the confusion that's in our church right now? Wouldn't that be something? It'd be breathtaking. It'd be breathtaking. If we could sort of measure this and see... Um, it's hard to measure. This always makes me sort of think. Um, you know, you go back to school and they teach you there's ways to measure. There's quantitative ways to measure. We all know what this is. Yes, this is counting. There's two or there's three and there's plus two and there's minus one and there's a number. And we did a lot of that in church. This is how we measure church. We count stuff. Um, but another way to measure is qualitative. What's the quality of the thing? What's the quality? What kind of quality is in there? Um, you know, is, 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 is it a happy, functioning, um, well-adjusted person? Is it a locked up, afraid, angry person? That's a hard thing to measure. How do we know that? And so we say, hey, bro, hey, bro, little hug, little hug, and we go about our ways, but we don't really know qualitatively what's going on with each other. That's dangerous. And I just wonder, wow, that'd be, if we could just drop that screen, if you could drop that thing and be able to really see the hurt and the confusion that's in the heart of the Christian. Now, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. That's just honest. That's real. We all have that. We all have some hurt. We all have some uh, confusion. But what it's supposed to do is lead me back to God and or lead me back to the brothers and sisters. Amen. I wish I could go back. Sometimes I think I wish I could go back and just become a researcher. Would you like to just be a researcher? Sometimes this sounds like fun. So I read this researcher. This researcher goes, you know what I found out? If you line up a hundred people and you tell them to go walk and you put a blindfold on them and you tell them to go walk for an hour, walk in a straight line for an hour, they can't do it. So you put a blindfold on them and I don't know how this guy comes up with this question, right? But he puts blindfolds on people and he has them walk for an hour. Just tell them to walk in a straight line and he just measures what happens. And what do they do? They walk around in circles. They can't walk in a straight line. So if we put a blindfold on you and we say, just walk straight out, just a straight line for five minutes, you wouldn't be able to do it. You'd veer right, you'd veer left, you'd turn around, you'd spin around. We don't know how to go straight. Now they noticed a difference if the sun was out. Okay, I got a blindfold on, but there's light. Light helps orient me. I can go straight if there's some light. 
And of course, if there's voices, if I hear other voices, I can orient myself and I can keep going straight. But I think spiritually, it makes that point. uh, If I'm just an island, where am I going to go in my life? I'm going to go around a lot of circles. Really hard to go straight. We need light and we need people in order to go straight in our lives. And I think the same thing is true in church. Amen. Next uh, point here. Remember this. Remember this. Whatever God is building, Satan's trying to destroy. And we know this passage. This is that 2 Corinthians 11 passage. And he masquerades as an angel of what? An angel of light. And so he's deceptive. It's confusing. Sometimes it's hard to know. I've had this question hundreds of times or many times as a minister. Bro, I'm going through this terrible situation. And what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Am I being attacked by the devil? Or am I being tested by God? And those are two different things. And I think Job teaches us, you're not going to know that until you get to heaven. We know this, Hebrews 12, you're in some kind of hardship. Hardship's real. But many times it's difficult to know, I got fired I'm doing a good job. I, I, I'm just sort of struggling. I'm under this hardship. Is God testing me? Or is Satan tempting me? This is really difficult to know. We just know this. Hardship, again, I am weak. I need light. And I need people. And I can make it out of whatever circumstance I'm in. Very difficult, though, when we see, uh, when we get, when we get confused, when it's deceptive. Go ahead, bro. Um, this is also true. It makes me think about this uh, Harlow experiment in the 50s. This is just short. In the 50s, the behavioralist sort of ruled the world of psychology. And now you see very few behavioralists. They're very sort of remote and isolated. But the behavioralist ruled psychology. They were in charge of the APA. They were in charge of most of the big schools across America. And the behavioralists were saying for, for almost a generation... Don't be hugging and kissing your kids and tucking them in and letting them cry. This is terrible. You're conditioning them towards weakness. Right? We don't, we don't tuck them in and kiss them and say goodbye. We don't hug them. We don't go in and solve their problems. You're, you're handicapping them emotionally. They gotta figure out how to not cry. They gotta figure out how to not have a tantrum. They gotta figure out their own problems. Leave them alone. And Harlow did these experiments, and you've heard me talk a little bit about this before. And Harlow goes, this is totally wrong. We're crippling people. Because of attachment, you make an imprint that has to do with love and trust and how you respond to affection. And this is how you build bonds. And if you don't build bonds, you're going to really struggle with relationships in your life. And the brain is the social relational thing. It's always attaching. So hug your kids. Kiss your kids. Make home a safe place. Give them a little time to recover. Mom, Dad, we can't go fight all their fights. Helicopter parent, we all have a little bit of this. We can't do that. That's not what we're talking about. But we hug and love the kids. But for a whole generation, there's this tug of war of who's right and who's wrong. And there's this real split. And they never really got back on the same page. But again, watch out for how this happens in a church. Well, how do we exactly make a disciple? Or how do we exactly have a good quiet time? Or how do we exactly have a good worship service? Well, these guys say you do it like that, and those guys say you do it like that, and it gets into a black-white, very sort of binary, dualistic thing. I'm all in over here, and there's the good guys, and those are the bad guys. And this isn't how we do church, good guys and bad guys. 
Now, we have differences. We've got to find that place in the middle. And it shouldn't be scary to say, hey, look, I read this passage and it says this. And that's why we're doing that. What are you guys doing? You guys look like you're doing something totally different. And they have a discussion. And you just keep sort of moving to Because we're not in the business of being right. We're in the business of trying to go to heaven and growing as we go. And this doesn't mean we reduce back or pull back on convictions. The Christian should be the most convicted person on earth. Amen? We're very principled. We have deep convictions. We want to do right. We want to flee and fight evil. That's right. But there's so much, again, in between we don't understand. And the devil is always in the soil trying to trip us up. Don't be afraid. Just talk to him. Don't be afraid. Just talk to her. Get back in the word. That sharpens us. Amen. Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Uh, one more. This is great. I think this is like 10 seconds. What happens when, uh, yeah, go ahead, play it. You'll get it. He's in an elevator. She gets her purse stolen. Wait a minute. Hold it. Oh, that's beautiful. Was that too fast? That might have been too fast. Matt, one more time. That might have been too fast. Okay, there we go. Okay. He's in the elevator. She's right there. You can't see her face. Look at the purse, though. It's just sitting there like fruit. Oh, oh man. Good job, girl. Pick him up. Show him it. Yeah, that is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We don't let people, we don't let people just take stuff from us. We don't let them just take stuff from us. No, that's not okay. We got to bind them up at church. We got to bind them up at home. Matt, what do we got? We got to bind them up at home. What if you're going to add up all the anger that's bound up at home? We got to add up all the anger that's bound up at home. A lot of us men, we got a lot of bound, we got a lot of anger bound up at home. Man, I just want you to ask you that right now. What is making you so angry at home? You have to deal with that. And you have to know if you just have an anger thing. Didn't single digits and grew great up here? That's hard to say. We all live in denial. Look, I have a weakness. I'm an alcoholic. That's hard to do. And men, a lot of us have to do this. We have a weakness. We have a lot of anger issues. There, a lot of them related to respect and things like this. Um, I was trying to do a group uh, with um, a lot of men in San Diego. And, and, and frankly, our group, it was in Escondido, it was mostly Mexican. We got in this huge discussion about machismo. About machismo. I was talking, and it's not just Mexican, right? I was talking to one of the Chinese brothers. He's like, yeah, we don't hug a lot. Home, China, China. Are you kidding? It's all respect and it's nothing else. It's all respect. It's nothing else. But what happens when we feel just, we get angry. And we act as if it's okay to be angry. And we stop. Guys, don't we do this? And we yell. And we get angry. And, you know, we got to be careful. I always get angry. When do you get angry? I always get angry when I'm hungry. You guys have heard me say this before. I always get angry when I'm hungry. We're driving. Guys, are you like this? We're driving. I'm on a, I'm on a, I want to be here by three and here by five and here by here and we're going to get there and I, I had a good plan. And then I get hungry. We're trying to get to, two years ago, we're trying to get to Zion National Park. It's an incredible trip. And I'm, I'm getting hungry and we hit Las Vegas. And I'm like, girls, quick, where's, where's food? Just put it in your machine. Put it in your phone. <laughs> food. They're like, what? Food? What kind of food? You know, with an F. Start there. Uh, I don't know, Dad. There's food everywhere. We're in Las Vegas. And Tanya's great. She goes into, um, uh-oh. She goes, okay, first thing, Panda Express. Where's Panda Express? 
Well, it's just one exit back. Ah, no! You know, angry clicker, angry turn, angry off-ramp, stop. Where is it? It's turn right. I'm on a one-way street. I can't turn right. Go through and turn left and right and left again. No! Where's Panda? Dad, there's a sandwich stop right there. I don't want a sandwich. i got to have Panda. Panda! Where's the Panda? It took us 30 minutes to go two blocks backwards and find Panda. And I parked. I'm like crawling out of the car. Chicken! Rice! And then you eat and you're like, wow. We're having a great time. This is a great road trip, guys. Love this. Nothing like being in the car with the family. Incredible memories. Let's take a picture. Where are we? Yeah, we're in Las Vegas, Panda Express. Really? I thought we were already there by now. This will be cool. You know, and you try and, you know, whatever. You guys get the story. Okay. Matt, what do I have here? What if we could add up all the anxiety that's in our homes? All the anxiety, the fears, the uncertainty. Our homes are riddled with fear and uncertainty. So much fear and uncertainty. So much anger. And we've got great loving people. A lot of great Christian people. A lot of great Christian homes. But he gets angry. She gets fearful and anxious. And watch out. And this becomes that dance. She's not sure what's going on with him. She's a little anxious. And she, you know, wants to point something out. Thank you for pointing that out. And he's already irritable. He's kind of angry. He's like, why are you always, fill in the blank, guys. No one wants to say it. Bugging me, pestering me, something, right? And he gets upset. And that, what does anger do to anxiety? Soothes it? No! Makes it worse. And then she gets more anxious and jumps on it more. And then he gets more angry. And we go back and forth. And we do these dances all of the time. And it, and it, and it, and it allows the devil to rob our homes. What's going on elsewhere? And I want you to think about this passage. We love this passage. Think about this home that doesn't, has, is dealing with anger and dealing with anxiety. And we got something that looks like this in Philippians 4, 7. That, that the knowing of the peace that transcends all understanding. Who doesn't want to live in that home? The peace that transcends all understanding? That's where we want to live. That's what heaven's going to be, amen? But you got to know today, you can live in your home with relative peace. Make sure there's food, and you're going to do okay. So if I see Tanya, and she's a little anxious, and she needs to talk, guys, you know what I do? I try and realize, look, I'm, I'm irritable, I'm angry. Hold that thought, let me make a sandwich. Okay. Tell me the whole story. And as I eat my sandwich, I can listen, and we're going to have a great exchange. It's going to go really, really well. But if I'm hungry and she's talking, I'm going to look like a, I'm going to look like, I'm going to look like a monster. I'm going to look like a bear. Okay. Peace that transcends understanding. We're going to bind them up in our heart. We're going to bind them up in church. We're going to bind them up in our homes. We're going to bind them up in our heart. What do we know? Matt, Proverbs 4. Uh, uh, no, no, Mark 7. Let's look at, I'm going to read this. Mark 7. Let me finish this. This is great. I've got to read this. Mark 7. Because we talk about the devil, we talk about evil, but I always get uncomfortable. I don't want to mislead people. So many times the Christian will leave a service like this and say something like, yeah, evil's bad. You've got to be good. Evil's out there in the world. The world is so terrible. Isn't the world terrible? Yes, the world's terrible. 
But Jesus says this in Mark chapter um, 7, verse 17. After he left the crowd and entered his house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see? Nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean. Thank you, bacon. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach. Jesus understood biology. He got, got an A in biology. It, doesn't go, it goes in his stomach and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Of course, the Jews were like, no, Jesus, don't do that. Verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance. And one of my favorite parenting words, folly, folly. What's the child doing? Hard to know. It looks like folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Where's evil? It's in my heart. Is there racism in the world? Yeah. Is there, is there evil in politics? Oh, yeah. Is ISIS evil? Yes. Is world systems that perpetuate injustice evil? Yes. But evil's in my heart. And evil's in our heart. And there's just as much evil in here this morning as there is out there this morning. The world doesn't have a market on evil. It's in every man's heart. It's in every woman's heart. So if we're going to bind up the strong man, we have to bind up what's going on in our heart. We've got to recognize and deal with what's going on in there. Uh, you know, I love the Odyssey. I'm always referring back to the Odyssey. You remember... Um, He's trying to get home after the war to um, Ithaca, Penelope's there, and they land on this one island, and the witch Circe is on the island. And what does Circe do? Um, Circe is this enchantress, and she turns men into the evil beast that resides inside of them. So it's a little weird, because when they hit the island, it looks like this zoo. They're like, wow, look at all the pigs, and there's bears and tigers and lions. This place is wild. They don't know where... They've never seen all these animals before. What's she doing? She's turning men into the animal that resides. Oh, what is that animal for you? And recognize that we've all got that thing. And that Jesus here is saying, yeah, we have to fight injustice, but we start with binding up the strong man that's home in our hearts right now. Let me close with this passage. Second Timothy Chapter 2. We've got to bind up the strong man because he's always trying to wreck church. And we've got to bind up the strong man because he's always trying to wreck home. And we've got to bind up the strong man because he's always trying to wreck our lives. And we love the Proverbs, Proverbs 4. Guard your heart, right? What is it? It's the wellspring of life. And the devil's trying to turn that thing into a sewer. And you gotta guard your heart. You gotta bind up the strong man and guard your heart. And Paul tells Timothy, a young man that's training for the ministry, that wants to be an evangelist, he says this to Timothy in verse 20. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some ignoble. If a man 
cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for any good work. Continue the thought. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In every person, in every man's heart, in every woman's heart, there are these articles. Silver and gold, if you, if you find the silver, if you find the gold, Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 45, about this buried treasure that's in a person's heart. Wow, what comes up out of that? Incredible acts of righteousness and goodness. But if you allow evil, folly, uh, uh, impulse control, impurity, selfishness, if we allow this in our hearts and we're trying to make this okay, what comes up out of this? A bunch of bad stuff. A bunch of bad stuff. And we've got to be able to bind this up so that God can then use us. Because life here is short. And we see the world, it makes us sad. You see what's going on out there. It's tragic. We see him coming in here and robbing the Christians. We see him coming in here and robbing people out in the world. He's trying to rob what's going on inside of our lives and our hearts right now. Stop him. Bind him up. Bind him up in prayer. And we bind him. Flee. Flee these desires. Get open. Let light in. Whenever light is in, there's no darkness. There's no bad. This is one of the other great things about uh, uh, 12 Step and AA. They did a great job with denial. That's sort of the first point, admitting you have a problem. And one of the other great things you do when you come to AA, you're going to recover. You're going to have what? A sponsor. Because you, they know you can't go through it alone. And so you've, you've lost your job. You had a bad day at work. You had a bad time at home with the wife or kids or whatever it is. What do you do? You get on the phone. You start talking to him or her. Hey, I'm not doing good. We've got to be doing the same thing. That binds up the strong man. We've got to bind him up, not let him steal any more from us and take back. Think about that big storehouse and you've got precious things in his big storehouse. And yes, God wants you to have a good life. He wants you to uh, uh, desires of the heart. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. But Christian, write this down. Go back and take back the thing that he's stolen from you. Take it back. You can take that thing back. And I think we as a church got to make a stand and go, it's not okay for him to come in here and be stealing from us anymore. And we're going to protect each other. We're going to do a better job protecting each other. Do a better job praying for each other. Do a better job building a healthier place where, where we can protect each other. Where alarms go up quicker and faster. Look out! The devil's here. He's been walking around among us. And he's trying to take, I see him. And it's not okay. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to tackle him. I'm going to call somebody else to come in and help us. I think we do those things. We empower the church. We empower the Christian. We empower our place to be, again, this temple where we worship and where we're safe and where God hears our prayers and we continue to grow in anticipation of heaven. God bless you. God bless the church. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.